Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's electric in the house today. Can you feel the power of God that's among us? Wow, 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 wow. What a tremendous weekend we have had since Thursday. And there has been breakthrough. I'm smelling in the spirit like there's been a drought and there's been an abundance of rain that has come. Just a fresh smell of breakthrough. Do you smell that in the Holy Ghost? Amen. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Jesus. In Mark chapter 2, it's early in the ministry of Christ, but miracles have been following the Lord, and His reputation is spreading all across the land. And I'm feeling, I'll tell you honestly today, I'm feeling a little crazy in the Holy Ghost. And some of you said, come on now. And others said, oh my God. It's all right. And I'm excited to move into the presence of God that he has spoken to me to deliver to you. Let me say thank you. We don't say this enough, but you are so kind to us. And of course, pastor and the leadership in this church take such great care of us, and we appreciate that. Don't take it for granted. And we're very grateful and thankful. In the times of fellowship that we've had with pastor and other pastors as well, we, we love and appreciate all of you. We value these times. And pastor and I are already trying our best to get together on a schedule as soon as your busy times and my busy times can get together. We know that God will allow that to happen soon, and we are looking forward to that. So thank you. We love True Vine. We know what a powerful church you are and so excited about the reach that you have in this community. And Let, let me just say to those who are watching online and to my brother in Uganda, maybe not so much to you, but if you ever get a chance to come to Old Town, you need to come to True Vine. Amen. Spirit of God resides here and the favor of the Lord is upon these people. This morning is no different. Miracle signs and wonders are in the place today. And God wants to use you, the body of Christ, to minister to those beside you today and to be a minister of the Holy Ghost. Reading from Mark chapter 2, begin reading at verse 1. And again, Jesus entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Now, where I come from, they would translate it this way. He was up in him. (laughs) I was teased on about my accent already today, so why hide it? And straightway, verse 2 Many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached.
the word unto them. And they came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, not, not just the man on the bed, but when he saw their faith. We talked about that in the minister's meeting this morning. When he saw their faith. He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Duh. Anybody know that Jesus is God? Verse 8. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, that's the operation of the Holy Ghost, that they so reason within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way to thy house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. They walked away saying, God blew our minds today. That's the atmosphere that we are in. God is going to do miracles in this place today for this purpose that you know he has the power to forgive sins and to bless you in such a way of your salvation journey that you would go from where you are now all the way to an eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm taking my title from... Maybe verse 3, which declared the man of palsy was born of four. And I'm preaching that four of a kind trumps a full house. The house is full. But if there's four people with faith, even if the other one doesn't have faith, if there's four people with faith, four of a kind <laughs> could trump a full house. Why don't you clap your hands in faith? Expectation of the power of God demonstrated in this place today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. My pastor friend from Memphis told me to pray Pastor Nolan through the Holy Ghost today. So I, I think that's just his way of greeting you, my friend. Four of a kind, trump a full house. There... There are natural desires within the makeup of every individual that God put there. God created certain hungers. God created certain desires, certain longings in every one of us. But for a large part of the world, 
man takes these hungers and tries to satisfy it with lesser things than what God created them for. So natural desires that mankind has twisted. For, for example, there is created within all of us the desire to find a hero. It's within all of us. And in finding that hero to rejoice in their accomplishments, to worship this individual or this hero, and to make something awesome and bigger than life out of it. That's within all of us. Now, we know where the world has tried to feel that. This is why there is multi-trillions of dollars invested in individuals that are not heroes, but they're athletic. They can throw a football. They can hit a baseball. They can, they can shoot some hoop. I mean, they can, they can lay it down. But this does not mean they're heroes. This is why when we allow individuals who have these tremendous athleticisms that hopefully we enjoy in the proper priority of entertainment, when we let them become voices of direction in our nation and in our life, we need to be careful. That went over like a lead balloon. We have Marvel comics that have made absolute millions of dollars on heroes like Spider-Man and Superman and Wonder Woman. I'm trying to reach every generation here. Mighty Mouse. How about getting bitten by a radioactive spider and having all of these giftings? But we are attracted to that because it's this thing within us that we're looking for something that's bigger than life that we can, we can look to as a hero that's going to save our world and our nation and blah, blah, blah. Captain America. Sorry about that, brother in Uganda, you know, just... To, Heroes here, perhaps in the U.S. We, we, we've got these things, but God created that within us, not so we would buy all the comic books and watch all the drama stories. No, he put it there because there's no greater hero than the Lord Jesus Christ, and we should have a natural attraction to him. And while certain individuals can bring a smile on our face and a clap in our hand for their expertness in athleticism, they've never healed my body like Jesus has. They never paid the price for the sins of my life like Jesus has. So I give them place in entertainment, but I worship the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nobody like him. So... So you see that we have passions and desires and hungers that God created us to consume on things of the kingdom that man tries to steal our passions and our desires by giving us other things. Another thing that we have is um, the search for true love. True love. You know, that oyster in the half shell. I'm not even sure what that means. I hope it's not dirty or anything. I... <laughs> you never know nowadays. 
that, that, that special one, that if we can find that one, life is complete and fulfilled. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, you're not going to find that in a human individual. They are, all of us have mistakes and failures and they can't fulfill that place. But there is one that gave his life for you. No greater love hath any man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. That's the love of Jesus. It is pure. It reaches deeper than any love. It is the greatest. And we have a search in us for true love. Man warps it. There's also this within us created by God within all of us. And it's this, uh, it's this, it's this desire to dance. I'm not even going to look over it when I talk about this. It's this desire to, to dance. And some of us have a little more rhythm than others of us. But it's within all of us. It's why you can be pushing your grocery cart down the aisles of Walmart and they turn that music up a little loud so that you get to hear words that will encourage you to stay and shop and spend more money, especially at Christmas time. And before you know it, you've got that cart and you do. Oh, I passed the cereal, so you do a little moonwalk back to the cereal. I, I have found myself at a, let's say Applebee's, for lack of a better term, after a powerful revival service with the presence of God so strong and playing the music so loud there, it's, it's, like, it's like it's in your brain. And then songs that you heard, B.C., W.B.C., way before Christ, are somehow resurrected in your rhythm. And before you know it, you're tapping your foot on the ground, shaking your head a little bit. And if no one's looking, you're banging your head on the tail. Hot bloody, check it and see. I apologized before, so it's, it's okay. We've all got this within us. God created. I know you're looking at me with a little bit of judgment, but even you were getting your apostolic jive on. I mean, some things are accepted in church, dancing, and other things, you know, we don't break dance usually or crump in church, but if it's in the Holy Ghost, I guess it'd be all right. But long before they were doing the twist and the Cotton Eye Joe, long before tango and line dancing, the Bible said that David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and it was pleasing unto God. So I don't know, maybe there is a little Jesus crump in somebody today to dance before the Lord with all their heart. God created that within you so you would express the joy of the Lord, the goodness of God. 
There's, there's, a, there's another um, desire God created within us. And for lack of a better term, I'm just going to state it this way. There's a desire within all of us to gamble. I know we just thought that was a bad terminology. But what I mean by that is this. The desire to make seemingly an insignificant or small investment with the hopes of receiving a dividend of reward that is massive and huge. That's the drive behind gambling. I, I will admit to you today that most of what I know about gambling, I learned from an old troubadour. And this troubadour told me this, that every gambler knows that the secret to survival is knowing what to throw away and knowing what to keep. Every hand's a winner, every hand's a loser. The best you can hope for is to die in your sleep. I, I, don't, I don't know. You've got to know... No one, I heard some of you know this troubadour too. That's, that's Brother Kenneth Rogers. <laughs> Never count your money sitting at the table. The time enough for counting, dealing's done. I, I did a little study on, on gambling and found out something interesting about the mega lottery that is available to people in the United States and, and beyond. But this is what they say about the mega lottery that you have a better chance of being in a car accident, a plane wreck, and struck by lightning twice than winning the lottery. Wow, so you say there's a chance. (laughs) That's no fair to push back your preaching at the preacher. That's not right. In the seven number, in fact, a seven number lottery in digits ranging from zero to 99, the chance in you winning that lottery is one in 14 billion, 887 million, 31,544. That's your statistical chance. You realize there's only seven and a half billion people in the world. But the chance you win this lottery is one in 14 billion, 887 million, 31,544. That's not about chances of people, it's chances of tickets, of course. If you are here today and you are expected with child, anybody here want to admit that they're pregnant? Just one guy back there in the back. That's all right. (laughs) The chances of you having quadruplets, not you, sir, but the women here. The chances of you having quadruplets, one in 705,000. But the chance you win the lottery, one in 14 billion, 807 million, 31,544. If you happen to be one that likes to eat oysters or slurp them as the case may be. The chance of you finding a pearl in an oyster is one in 12,000. That's pretty cool. Eat 12,000 oysters, chances are you're going to find up. You won't be able to keep your socks up, but 12,000 per oil, uh, oysters, one pearl. In fact, the statistical truth is this. Take a rope, 1,257 feet long. That's longer than 
four football fields. Take one grain of sand, drop it in the circle of that 1,250-foot-long rope. One grain of sand randomly in that circle. Then close your eyes, disorient yourself, take one more grain of sand, stumble into that circle, and drop it. The chance of it landing directly on that first grain of sand is equal to you winning the lottery. I hope that I can't sell any lottery tickets after this. It's amazing that individuals with just a chance of a huge reward. But God put this within us. Not so we would support the lottery. I hope that we have wisdom enough to know that my investment of $1 would be better put in the offering than it would be some lottery somewhere. Because God's guarantee is 100% dividend. You cannot outgive the Lord. So, gambling, I hope that we realize not just the bad part of it, the connotation, but also God put this within us. Because we need to have that passion that with a hope of a single service that lives could be changed for eternity. That if I take a chance and give myself, go all in, put it all on the table, and worship like there's no tomorrow. Praise him like it's my last day on earth. That something so supernatural and miraculous could happen. It's a gamble that if I give my life to God in this small time that we have, that I would have an eternity with the one who gave his life for me. Don't know a lot about gambling, but this I know. There's something God loves about those that go all in. It's why he commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Go all in. Go with all your might. All your strength. This is what God loves. David declared this, the man after God's own heart. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And all that's with him. When I bless God, I want it to be with everything that I have. I know he loves a halal praise. That word from the Old Testament, halal, means to rant and to rave of the goodness of God with all your might and with all your strength. God loves people who will sell out for the opportunity or the chance. And this I know about gambling also. Four of a kind, Trump a full house. <laughs> Not just because the rules of poker, I guess it's poker, say that. But because Mark 2 lets us understand that. So, so get the picture of what's happening. This is very early. It's Mark chapter 2. Very early in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And his fame has just begun to spread throughout the region because of all the miracles that have happened.
And Jesus has done some miracles in Capernaum and left, and now he's returning. That's what our first text verse says. He's returning to Capernaum. And when G- people hear that Jesus is back in town, it's, uh, it's a crazy house. He doesn't go to the temple or the tabernacle, but rather he goes to Simon and Andrew's house. And there, everyone in town decides, let's go see Simon and Andrew's house. Simon, Peter, and Andrew's house. And they gather in, I'm assuming even uninvited. (laughs) I'm assuming unannounced that they gather there. Now, it seems to be that there was at least a little bit of protocol and those, you know, that had the best respect in the town seemed to be the ones that got the recliners and the love seat and, you know, the spare chair from the kitchen. But soon there are no chairs, and if you're going to come to this service, you got to stand. That would exclude a lot of us going to church, wouldn't it? Just somebody needs to gamble every once in a while, a little bit of standing time to receive. (laughs) And so the house is full. And the scripture says there's no room for them to come in the doors. The windows have a faces, like window panes everywhere. Any way that anybody could hear what Jesus was saying, it was there. Probably a long line out the door, hoping that someone will have to forget something and go and they will lose their spot. (laughs) And so this is the place. Four friends there realize that this is opportunity. So they go get their fifth friend who is paralyzed. And he cannot walk. He cannot help himself. He cannot get to where Jesus is. So the friends take responsibility. This is what faith is. The friends take responsibility to use their energy... Their effort, their faith, their blessings to do whatever it takes to get their friend in the presence of Jesus. They spend who they invest what they have so their friend can receive from God. That's how you have faith for somebody else. And so they get their friend and maybe one on four corners. They take the cot and they carry him towards Simon Peter and Andrew's house. But when they get there, the line is like Black Friday. The shopping day after Thanksgiving, right? Nobody can get in. And maybe, in my imagination at least, they're saying, hey, look look how big our need is. Can you give us ups? And nobody would give them ups. Nobody would see how sympathetic they should be for their friend and let them in. I've got a headache. You wait in line, you know. So they began to think out of the box. And this is usually how this scripture is used. And I'm just going to touch this, but there's another point here. They, they began to think out of the box. And they say, well, we can't get through the windows. We can't get through the doors. We can't press our way. <clears throat> what do you think about a remodeling job on their house without their permission? Let's tear off the roof and lower our friend in the presence of Jesus. This is bold because they don't have permission. In fact, it's not tactful. Not kosher. (laughs) I used a Jewish word there. You see the pun. This should not be allowed. 
but they somehow get up on top of the roof. Now, they're carrying their friend that's on a cot, and it must have sound like elephants in the upstairs. Anybody have a two-story house and teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. Elephants on the roof. Now, Jesus is speaking there without microphone. So it sounds a little bit more like this. And he's teaching the word of God. And if anybody's going to hear, they've got a strain and everybody has to be quiet. And all of a sudden, in the middle of his teaching, there's this commotion on the roof. They're carrying this man up and they're trying. All these things are disturbing what's happening in the church service. And so then, whatever tools... Now, you have to realize that the construction of the days, we often think about, you know, well, it was probably thatched roofs and they tore a little grass off. No. In fact, we find in the Old Testament that God gave them instructions to build parapets or railings around their rooftops. They used their rooftops as another room, open like you might see on a beach here with a rooftop room open to the sun, open to the stars at night. So they would build rails around so no one accidentally fall off of it. So this ceiling is actually constructed like a floor with whatever joists they have that could hold weight that would continually be up there. So their process of tearing the roof off isn't getting a few pieces of grass out of the way. They've got to do some major construction fire up their chainsaw. I don't know what kind of chainsaw they had. I'm thinking like Flintstone, the bone, the teeth of a dinosaur, you know. I, I, I don't know what they had to do, but understand this is a big deal. And they've already decided we're going to have to take care of this, obviously. We're going to have to make it up to Andrew and to Simon Peter. We're going to have to fix it ourselves. But it's worth the cost for our friend. Now, down in the living room, construction is happening above their heads. Have anybody here done remodeling while you lived in a place? It doesn't matter how much plastic you have and tarps you put up. Dust gets everywhere. It's in your bowls as you go to eat your cereal. It's in your cups as you pull them out. It's everything. And now they are doing live construction while maybe scribes and Pharisees are on the couch. And dust and debris falling on perhaps their hair, their laps. And there had to be a lot of indignation. Where is the host and the usher? Get up there and take care of this. A lot of disturbance, and people are trying to hear what Jesus has to say. Until finally they manage to get a hole large enough to lower their friend on a cot, maybe six by two, to lower their friend down through the roof into the presence of Jesus. It's amazing that there's absolutely no room in the house and no one can get in full house. But when you've got faith and desperation, all of a sudden there's enough room. You might have to come in a different direction, but there's enough room. 
And the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. I've been harping on this the entire time. Not the faith of the man on the cot, but you have power, sir, with your faith for your friend. You have power for those sitting beside you because if you've got faith and you're willing to pay the cost, a miracle can happen for the one in the pew beside you. Ah, uh, God. Feel that very prophetically and strong. So when Jesus sees their faith, the one still on the roof that can't get in, but their friend is in. When he sees their faith, he but speaks to the man on the cot and says, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But don't you know the dudes on the roof are like, Oh, Jesus, you missed that one. You should have called him out for healing. Maybe the bed he's being lowered on should be a clue he needs healing. What are you speaking about? Sin forgivable. He obviously needs a healing. Twofold meaning here. Well, he's ministering to those in the place and he's making a good point. But also to this individual. Sometimes we think when we come to God we know exactly what we need. But if you would just get yourself in the presence of Jesus, then you'll realize that he takes care of things. You didn't even know you need much more than you need your healing or perhaps a deliverance or a miracle. Just get in his presence and let him speak his creative word. Now, of course, the other reason why Jesus said this is for all those that were lounging in the lazy boys. Son, thy sins be forgiven. And they were indignant. No one can forgive sins but God. That should have been a clue to them, right? This is God in flesh here forgiving sins. And so Jesus gives them a sign that he has the authority. He's always doing this through the scripture. He said, in your estimation, is it easier for me to say something that you can't see? Or for me to say something that you can see? Easier for me to say sin's forgiven or for me to say arise and be healed. But this is the reason why Jesus did the healing, not only for that individual but for those watching, so that you may know the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. There are miracles going to happen in this place in just a little while. An outpouring of the presence of God will be very strong in this place. It has been so strong, it will be strong again. And we will rejoice in that. But it's not just so that we can feel his presence. It's so that you will have knowledge by the signs that have happened that God has power in your life to forgive you of sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and to take you eventually to your home in heaven. So he turns to the man on the bed. And he says, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. That's an interesting statement. And immediately the man rolls out. He's not been able to do this, but now he just rolls out of his bed, picks up his cot. It's interesting to me that the guys on the roof have to be rejoicing. More debris falling, right? As they're getting their cotton eye Joe on or whatever it is. Jesus crump. It's a new term for me, but. And they are worshiping. They are thankful. 
and their worship is not appreciated because how it affects other people. This is something you'll see in the Bible all the time, that when people have demonstrative worship, others are unhappy with it because it does something to them that makes them uncomfortable. Everywhere in the Word of God. But Jesus loves the halal praise. And so the man gets up, takes up his bed, and somehow, like the parting of the Red Sea, a house that was completely full, he walks out the door. He didn't shimmy back up the ropes. He walked out the door with his cot. Everybody in the room that wouldn't let him in, everybody in the Black Friday line that wouldn't give him ups, sees the testimony of getting out of the box a little bit with your faith, and they all know what God has done because of their faith. Four of a kind, trump a full house. Understand, the house was full. There was no place for this miracle. It was full of tradition. It was full of mindsets. It was full of expectation. It was full of everything you can imagine. But there were four people that turned the entire city or church upside down because of their faith. Four of a kind steal trumps and beats a full house. I was... Preaching in the upper Midwest, Wisconsin, Beloit, Wisconsin. And uh, this lady came down for prayer, precious elder saint of God. And she began to tell me that she had been diagnosed with cancer in her saliva glands. I, I never heard of that before, but I know that God can heal all kinds of cancer. And so I began to speak to her of faith. But before I could lay hands and pray for her in the powerful name of Jesus, there was, there was about three or four other ladies that just gathered up behind. She didn't invite them. She didn't ask them. But they had faith for their friend. And four of them just gathered up behind her, laid hands appropriately on her back or shoulders, and they began to pray, and they began to talk in tongues and get a hold of God. Before I'd ever laid hands on her, I could feel the electricity of a miracle that was happening in her life. And it was a full house of doubt and a medical diagnosis and what was going it was a full house with no room for anything else to happen until she got in the presence of Jesus and four friends with their faith and their prayer and their intercession when I touched her head it was immediate the miracle fell miracles began to happen she's dancing and rejoicing she went back to her doctor and when she did the test again they declared unto her, she is absolutely cancer-free. No surgery needed. God had done an instantaneous miracle. This is the testimony she brought back to church. She said, Brother Green, when you went to pray for me, I thought you had your handkerchief in your hand. Because when you laid hands on my head, I felt your handkerchief hit my shoulder, brush my dress, and fall to the feet where I was standing and when I opened my eyes after worshiping, I remembered the handkerchief was going to give it to you. There was no handkerchief there. And I said, you're right. I didn't have a handkerchief. She said, I know. When the doctor came in the office and said the cancer is gone, God let me know that what I physically felt was that cancer falling from me, hitting my shoulders, brushing my dress, and falling to the ground. 
I'm telling you, four of a kind will trump a full house. If there's just four friends in the place, then who is this great mountain? Who is this great mountain? Four friends will trump a great mountain. Uh, I was preaching in a church service, and Holy Ghost began to direct me to look at this individual on the back row. Good-looking man, perhaps middle ages or... Around that, you know, 60 middle ages. You know where I stand all this. I've been saying it all week. And so, Holy Ghost has directed me. And finally, I just stop everything as I'm preaching and say, Sir, would you stand up? He stood up. And I said, you, you want the Holy Ghost, don't you? And he looked at me kind of surprised. It was like, well, Yeah. I said, get on down here right now. You're going to get the Holy Ghost. As he started making his way down to the front, the church was literally gasping. (gasps) Because, I guess, lack of faith. But they had been praying for him to receive the Holy Ghost 18 years. He had been tarrying for almost that long, coming to church, going to the altar every service. Finally, after years and years of not receiving the Holy Ghost, he just quit coming to the altar to pray for the Holy Ghost and tried to be the best Christian he could without this born-again experience in his life. Tried to. And so now the church, after 18 years, he has wore out the saints of the Most High God. He's coming again. And they're like, oh... He got down the front. God gave me a word of wisdom for that man at that time. Please, this is not a doctrine. It's a word of wisdom for that particular man at that time. And I said, sir, God's going to feed with the Holy Ghost right now. He said, well, I'm ready. I said, this is what you need to do. You need to jump as high as you can three times. And you need to shout the name of Jesus or hallelujah, rather. Shout hallelujah three times as loud as you can. I don't think that I've ever told that to anybody before or anybody since. But a word of wisdom for that man at that time. And he said, what, that's it? 18 years, right? I got to jump high and shout hallelujah. That's it. And so he said, okay. And he kind of did like this, hallelujah. And I said, oh, come on. Is that as high as you can jump? Is that as loud as you can shout? He's getting a little embarrassed. The red is in his face. As I'm pressing him a little bit, he said, no. And as I said, okay, you got to jump as high as you can. And he said, okay, hallelujah. And I said, ah, my grandma jumps higher than that. And she's gone. You've got to jump high. About that time, there were four young men sitting on the first couple rows of that church. That their faith was strong for this man. And they start leaping. They're leaping so high. It's like their heads are almost hitting the short seat of the building. And they're leaping up and they're shouting, Hallelujah! And when he catches the faith of those around, four of a kind, trump a full house, he turned and jumped as high as he could. He started shouting, Hallelujah! But before he could yell, he was speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Eighteen years of a full house, gone because four of a kind trumps a full house. Ah. I was preaching down in Louisiana, Louisiana for some of you. And there in 
Louisiana preaching. We was having powerful revival. I think we'd been there already two or three weeks. And I'm preaching, you know, some of you preachers understand this. It was like I, God had given me something that I, I enjoyed so much. It was powerful, revelatory to me. I just wish they wouldn't sing any songs because I was ready to preach. And, and finally, they turned the service over to me. And I'm telling you what, I, I, I was marching across the platform. I, I was shucking the corn. I, mean, I was pontificating, you know, trying to get the opposite sides here. And so I was preaching and waxing as eloquent as you know, a southern boy can. And, and as I'm preaching, the back doors of the church burst open. I, I don't mean, you know, every once in a while, somebody will slip in. No, this right here, boom, and both doors come wide open. And almost running down the aisle is a mama with her 12-year-old boy. You can tell from then he's flushed with tremendous fever. And she doesn't stop at the back row. I am pontificating, and so I'm saying, you know, sit down. I've got a message to preach. And the Holy Ghost reminded me that divine interruptions are all right in any kind of church service. And so I just stopped what I was saying. She ran all the way down to where we are. The pastor already knew a little bit about the situation. He jumped up, grabbed the oil, and he met us in the altar or the aisle there where they're at. Behind this mama and 12-year-old boy is an aunt or, and a sister. And then on the back row it was grandma. This is grandma's church. Grandma was on the back row. So when they come flying by her, she got up. And when I counted, there were four people behind him and with him as they began to pray. And she said, I have been to the hospital seven times. This young boy has had a fever that will not stop. They changed diagnosis. They changed what we should take and what we should do. It's not even dropped a little bit. And after a day, we rush him back to the hospital. 104 temperature that he's dealing with. And as we laid hands on his head, you could feel the heat of that. Obviously, some type of infection, something going on that the doctors could not find. And this was a very sick boy. And I watched as grandma. And listen, a mama that didn't even go to church but knew some things that her mom had taught her. Great faith can operate outside of covenant. I don't know of any of the miracles, but great faith can operate outside of covenant. You study the New Testament, God is coming to those who John the Baptist had preached the message of repentance to. He sends the disciples out, don't go to the Gentiles, don't go to the Samaritans. They're an unrepented, unprepared people. Miracle signs and wonders are for covenant people of God. But twice in the New Testament, you'll find him going outside of covenant. It's the centurion and the woman with uh, the, the, the woman with the daughter, who, the Syrophoenician woman, and both times Jesus said a great faith and he goes outside a covenant that's not meant for them because of great faith here's a woman backslid not living for God but when she lays hands on her 12 year old boy she is praying in the name of Jesus I rebuke sickness and disease and the aunt behind them is praying and grandma is praying in tongues and as we laid hands on his head we speak the name of Jesus instantly the fever begins to recite that face burning red begins to become more naturally colored. They run out to the car and get the thermometer. Is that what you call it? Sometimes I get the, Sometimes I say thermostat, but that's not what I'm talking about. 
They get the thermometer and they, they bring it in. His temperature has been 104 for seven days and now it's down to 101. It is receding very quickly. The church is in worship. Miracles are happening all over the place. About 10 minutes later, they take his temperature. It's down to 99. Temperature is leaving completely. The mama said, you know what? Let's, let's just take him to the doctor and let the doctor see what happens. And she made the statement just in case, just in case. And so they piled up in the car. In fact, the car had been running for 15 minutes, an old station wagon. Doors were open. The car was still running out in the parking lot. That's how desperate they were. So they run, get in the station wagon. They head the 45 minutes drive up to Monroe. She gets about 15 minutes up the road, and she's saying, what am I thinking? I've already been here seven times, and they've not helped me. But I spent 15 minutes in Mama's church, and the healing has already happened. She said, I think we need to go back to church. The next Sunday, that 12-year-old boy that had not been in church hardly all of his life because of his backslidden mama comes to church that Sunday with his family, and he tells the Sunday school teacher, I want to say something. And when she lets him talk, he says, you might not believe in miracles, but let me tell you how sick I was, and God healed me, and revival broke out in the Sunday school room. Four of a kind. Trump's so full. I got one more story that I want to share with you. I feel faith in the place today. Jesus. Jesus. I was raised in the church, received the Holy Ghost when I was just five years old. And through teenage years, we do a lot of things that I'm not recommending people to be raised in the church do. We would not go to the prayer services before church. Instead, we would spend time with the other guys about my age and a little older talking about girls or sports or weather or anything besides talking to God. <laughs> and so this particular Sunday, we're talking about uh, whatever. <laughs> and Doug comes to join our conversation. Doug's a couple years older than us, so we're 13, 14. He's 15 or 16. I think he was 16 at the time. And he came up to us and made some strange statements because while we were, while we were about as carnal as that door there, Doug was two doors. Okay? And so Doug comes up to us and he says, Hey, guys, tonight... I'm going to get right with God. And we're like, oh, that's rich, Douglas. You're the funniest guy. Let's just make you a stand-up comedian. Talk to us all night long. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, all of you know that you want to live for God. But I'm to that place right now. He said, matter of fact, when the church service starts, I, I'm, I'm not waiting for any kind of direction. When they start the church service, no matter what's happening, I'm going to jump to my feet and I'm going to run around the auditorium worshiping and praising God with all my might. And we said, <laughs> right, we believe you, Doug. And he said, no, 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 you'll see. He said, matter of fact, I feel like I need to ask you, would you run with me? And we're, we know, Doug, there's no way two doors are going to do this, right? 
So we're like, oh, duh, we are right behind you, Bubba. We forgot all about it in the next 10 minutes or so. Church service started and Sister Diane Rosser was starting to play, of all things, amazing grain. And we forgot about it until Doug jumped up. Woo! And took off run. Now, this was like the slowest rendition of Amazing Grace you've ever heard. Amazing Grace. It was slow. And Doug took off. And Sister Rosser just started picking up the pace. Sing grace, how sweet the sound. And I thought, uh-oh. We never thought he'd do this. And then my second thought was, no big deal. I'm not doing so good. I think I'll lie. But, but something deep within me, that gamble thing, was like, what if I worship God today with all of my heart, might, and strength? What if something happens to me that delivers me from all my lustly desire? What if I'm changed forever in my life? And so Doug, Doug was already halfway back to the back of the church. And I thought, I can catch that slow-footed beast. And I leapt up, shout on my lips, took off around the church. As I made the first corner to my great surprise, right behind me was Danny. And Danny had kicked off his shoes because country boy don't run with shoes on. And here comes Danny. Toes are grabbing the carpet, picking it up and putting it down. Behind him was Stevie. And here come Greg. Poor Sister Rosser didn't know what to do. Now she's singing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved the rich like me. And finally she just, she just let go of the keyboards and started worshiping herself. The church is shocked. You've got to realize this is one, two, three, four, five doors. And as we made our way around this side, all the men at that time sat on this, young men sat on this side. We come down this aisle making a full lap. And the young ladies saw what was happening. And they were all shocked. These carnal guys have come to worship God. They have come to give everything that they have. And I think maybe the first one out might have been Lori, as I recall. And Lori got out, and she had such rhythm, and she was worshiping like she worshiped, dancing all over the aisles. Then Dee Dee got out, and Dee Dee, you know, like Dee Dee does, and she, she's worshiping. And Lois was worshiping, and Charlotte was worshiping. And the church realized the young people. Now, we had a full house of program. It was there listed on the sheet. We had talked about what songs we were going to sing. Everything was in form and in place. But when there were four young men that decided to worship God, the entire church service was changed. Do you know that backsliders ran down to the front and before hands could be laid on them, they were speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance? 
a great saint of God that had a problem with his ears ringing constantly and the doctor told him he would never hear out of that ear again received his healing in that service because four of a kind it's time let me speak very specifically there are people in this house that are bound by some addictions of alcohol some of meth some are consumed with lust of the flesh and pornography is addicted to your life men and women as well boys and girls as well God wants to give you a deliverance in the house and even if you do not have enough faith I think there might be about four people around you who will pay the cost of worship and pay the cost of prayer and pay to get you in his presence. Ah. All right, here we go. Here we go. If it's been a long time since you spoke in tongues and you're ready today, then come right on down here and stand in front. If you have never spoken tongues and you're ready, come on down right here and stand in front. They're coming from all over the building. We're trying to make room for those that want the Holy Ghost. Whew. That's it. They're still coming. All the way from the back, they're coming. As they're coming, if you have faith for their miracle, if you have faith for their salvation, be one of them that join with them. Maybe you can't make your way to the altar, but find four people around you that'll pray for somebody even in your seat. Already, let's move into this with a voice of triumph. Move into this with a voice of triumph. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.